The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. When someone experiences two or more illnesses at the same time, those illnesses are considered comorbid. And when it comes to mental health, one of the more common comorbidities is depression and anxiety. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, some estimates show that 60% of those with anxiety also have symptoms of depression. We have a lot of work to do to dispel and dismantle the stigma that surrounds mental illness and experiencing mental illness symptoms and even more work to help uncover and unpack how common it is to actually experience more than one mental or emotional illness at the same time or over a lifetime. I've said it many times on and off this podcast, but really one of the most powerful ways to destigmatize mental illness is simply to talk about it. As my guest on today's episode shares, just talking about our experiences with depression or anxiety in a safe space, like around her dinner table, helps normalize our feelings and empowers others. My guest on today's episode of Looking Up is Ashley Tisdale. She's an acclaimed actress, singer, and producer. She achieved mainstream success on the Disney Channel show The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and of course, a heightened level of success as Sharpay Evans in the wildly popular high school musical series. What many of you may not know is her personal journey with mental health. We talk about her experience with ongoing anxiety while not even knowing it was anxiety in the first place, and how left undealt with made her susceptible to depressive symptoms, being misunderstood as an actress, and how she looks at all her ups and downs as part of her unique story. We talk about high school musical, plastic surgery, panic attacks, her commitment to a non-toxic life, the idea of starting new habits and goals slowly, and her very new health and wellness project, Frenchie. It's so great to have you. Before we start the core of the Looking Up episode, the way we start is I ask my guests a series, very short series of rapid fire style questions just to get to know you a little more intimately. So without too much thought or judgment, is there a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? Yes, there is. There's a book called Your Power to Heal, and it's a little out of the box. I I found it in a bookstore in Big Sur right after my dog passed away a year ago, and it said Your Power to Heal. So I was like, perfect. That's what I need right now. But I had no idea like what the book was actually about. And really, it's about how we are not victim to disease. We actually do have the power to heal ourselves. That doesn't mean don't take medicine if you're going through something like you know you need medicine for, don't listen to doctors. It's just saying along with these techniques, you actually have a better chance of getting rid of whatever you're going through. And that sometimes, you know, it's manifestation from like past lives or 
just traumas that we experienced as a child or even in our adult life. And so I was like really kind of interested and it's all about having a conversation with your body. So I, I, am someone who like fully commits to these things. And so I did like all of the exercises and I do have to say like things that used to bother me that I saw a lot of people for like that they would just be like, it's just anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, but like, why does it keep happening? Like it was a neck issue. I talked that body part and it hasn't happened since. So it was like very powerful. And to be honest, it like has helped me in this quarantine and this situation because my anxiety kind of spiraled about, you know, just kind of with everything in the world happening. And then once I started reading it again, I was like, wait, we have control. Don't give your power away. And so it is really helpful. That's amazing. You are talking to the right person. (laughs) (laughs) I spent a number of years working as a psycho-oncologist at UCLA. So I got to not in lieu of Western treatments, it was in supplement of and or addition to do all kinds of amazing emotional tools and resources and techniques with oncology patients. And so it was a pretty incredible experience. Okay. The second question, people think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. People think I'm a lot like characters I've played, I think, because that's how they know me or they've seen me first, but I'm actually not. (laughs) Uh, I I would say that there's a little piece of me in every character I've played, but, you know, I think that there are definitely, I'm a full-fledged person that is very separate from those. And I think that, you know, I'm a lot deeper than people would expect. Mm, Okay. I like that. Three words to describe yourself as a teenager, the high school years, (laughs) your high school. Oh my God. (laughs) Say definitely quirky. (laughs) I was very (laughs) shy for sure. I was like the shyest person. I guess I would say, oh, I had a lot of energy. I was like, Mm. I could do so much when I was younger. I'm like, I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. Just a lot of energy. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up mainly in Valencia, California, because I started seventh grade on there. So that was like the years you, you know, high school years and stuff you remember the most. But yeah, I was like the new girl from New Jersey that Mm. had to like find friends and went to public school and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Some challenges. Definitely. When's the last time that you cried? I would say a couple months ago. I don't cry often because it takes me, it takes me a minute to like, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's like really got to be sad for me to cry. I'm not very dramatic, I guess, Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. way. But I did, I remember like I woke up and I was like kind of crying because I still am healing from the passing of my dog and it was her Mm -hmm. anniversary recently in the summer. So that was like definitely the first year, I think it was the, anxiety leading up to that date. Yes. Like hard. So the anticipation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just like, definitely like it wasn't even on the day, which is so weird, but it was like the week before I was just like, had this anxiety being like, I can't believe it's been a year that I haven't seen her. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely cried. What are without much judgment or thought three things that have brought you joy today? I would say, well, I have two puppies and I saw them like cuddling with each other when I was doing my makeup on the floor. And it was like so, so cute. cute to see them like, cause they really like fight a lot and they like love to fight. Like Sushi's very sassy. 
And to see them just like sleeping next to each other was like, oh, they're sisters and they love each other. So that brings me joy. My husband always brings me joy. We've been married six years and I'm just Mm. like, I don't know. I just, every morning I just like get so excited that (laughs) he's in my house. Do you sometimes feel, sometimes I like, this is not always and I have to be real, but sometimes I like wake up and I'm like, oh my God, this is so fun. It's like, we're on a sleepover, but we get to like sleep over every single night. That was so nice that you said that because it like reminded me of those feelings and I know they're there. And so it's going to remind me tomorrow to wake up and remember that, like how I almost was like, this is like a sleepover. How fun, how lucky we get to sleep over all the time. It's awesome. I usually, it's funny because I'm one of those people that like, I just tend to get tired of people and my, I don't know, like, just like even my best friends, like I love being with people, but I also love being by myself. Yes. And I really cherish my moments by myself. And so early on, like my relationship with Chris, when we were dating, he had stopped touring and and was transitioning to be a composer. And I was just working out of LA. Like I've worked out of LA since we've been married. And so like, I've done little things like in Atlanta and Oklahoma, but like mainly have done series here it was just so weird, but we've spent so much time, like, especially in our relationship early on, like we were with each other every day and I never got sick of him. And I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> like I usually get sick of boyfriends and like, yes. this means something. And so it's funny to be in quarantine together because like, yeah, we're with each other every single day. I haven't like gone to work somewhere on a set. Yeah. And it's very like, not that it's like perfect. There's obviously times right. where, you know, just have an argument or whatever, but it is nice to know that you've like picked the right person because you just like don't get tired of them you know like yes. you love watching tv together at night and it's just yeah it's great so he brings joy <laughs> yes so puppies husband and puppies, husband and I just started working out again so I'm yes extremely sore like really sore I, <laughs> I can hardly walk to be honest right now <laughs> and so I do think that brings me joy yes because I you know working out yesterday it lifted my spirits and I forgot how much the endorphins we need. And there's always like highs and lows in this quarantine situation. And so finally, I'm like, I really haven't worked out that much, but yeah, working out yesterday just made me feel so great. And even though I'm sore, it does bring yes. joy because I missed that feeling. I miss that. It's been a lot of years since I felt sore. <laughs> I need to get back, but I do miss that feeling. For sake of time, I'm going to jump right in. There's so yeah. many things I want to talk to you about and ask you about. And I promise we're not going to talk about High School Musical very much, but I just did want to ask you <laughs> about, because there's so much more to even talk about. But I just wanted to ask you to start off with, what was your personal experience with that? It honestly feels so far away because yeah. it's been so long. It's it's almost actually looking back on your high school years in a weird uh-huh. way. Like yeah. I had high school experience twice and just one was like super successful. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that for me, like looking back, it was such a innocent moment in time to where people were accepting of that type of movie. I don't yeah. know, like I always say, I don't know if it would work right now, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like it's different time. But it's just that cast and everything was, it's very hard to find a project where there was a lot of innocence and a lot of people excited and passionate about what we were going to do. It holds all like great memories with, with that, with that crew. How do you define optimism? And do you think you're an optimist? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like I am definitely optimistic. 
I mean, I feel like it's just having that positive belief, you know, not letting the negatives of something cause you to, I I just tend to be more optimistic than not, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like I have family members that can be kind of negative towards situations and I, I like to see the good in something. And I like to see, I guess when I was younger, my friend would say I had like a very unicorn world where I lived Mm -hmm. and it's like, everything is like really great. And like, I obviously have had challenges in my life and have had to work through those and have gone through anxiety and depression, but I choose to look at those things in not a negative way, but like a very optimistic, this is part of my story. And I think it's like a beautiful part of my story. Yeah. Uh, I love that you brought that up and that you actually said that obviously you've had challenges and such a big part of optimism, which a lot of people don't know, but people that are listening have obviously heard me say this a hundred times. So much of optimism is actually about working through struggle and building resiliency. And that's how we actually raise our optimism factor and work out our optimism muscle. What would you say, you know, it's hard to pinpoint one, I'm sure, but what's been like a pretty big struggle or a dark time or one of the biggest challenges in life that you've had to go through? Probably, you know, for me, I've been in this business since I was three years old. So I've been acting since I was very young and I have had to deal with times where I don't get the job and I, you know, might not be working as much as an actress, but doing something else on like the production side. And so I'm like a really thick skin and I also don't take things personally in my business. Mm -hmm. So I've never gotten down about projects that I've been in that haven't worked. I think everything is is a stepping stone towards what is meant for you and what is like, you know, getting you to where you are meant to be. But I would say the most challenging thing I ever did and dark time (laughs) was when I took over my makeup company. It was just a very like hard Thing. I, I had been in a partnership with a makeup company and it did really well. And I saw how well it was doing in the first year. And so I was just like, had really great ideas that were very authentic and good reasons for why I wanted to take over the makeup company. But I just didn't really realize how hard it was to be a CEO of a company and also a single founder. And, you know, a lot of these like makeup brands with celebrities, like, it's a lot of people that do it for them. And uh-huh. I, I was literally taking it over myself. And so I got, you know, an investment and that really weighed heavily on me because I've never borrowed money and I've never had to thank God, but like, it wasn't a personal thing. It was obviously for a makeup company and that's how investments work, but it just really weighed heavily. on like, Oh my God, this is a real thing. So I went through this just like dark period. And that's when I was actually going through depression because of the stress of it. And you know, what Instagram and social media doesn't teach you is you see the successes of everything, but you're not actually seeing how hard it takes to get to that point. And not everything is overnight. I also think I like was not listening to my intuition. I've always listened to my intuition on everything I've ever done in my business. But for some reason, because I thought I didn't know the business world very well, I thought, don't listen to your intuition. It's not something, you know, and so, and there's just so many red flags. (laughs) I just should have like literally been like, 
what don't do this. Like it was like, don't do this and don't keep going and you're going to kill yourself. And it was like so hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I have to say, looking back at that time, I mean, I went through insomnia. I went through like talking about crying. I would wake up at 4am crying hysterically, feeling like I failed because I just Mm. had never felt like I failed at something before. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, why did I put myself through it? And now when I look back, that is literally the time period that I started seeing a lot of holistic people and non-holistic people and like doctors because I thought something was wrong with me because the, the stress and like just the whole pressure of, of you know, of being a single founder and trying to do all this stuff and meeting with so many different people and running a company. It was like, I was like running a startup, but right. you know, had no idea how to do it. And then I was like on a series on Netflix shooting it as I'm like putting in discount codes on my Shopify account for my makeup. Like it was wild. I had no one helping me. And so I think that, you know, the silver lining, I always said it was going to be like a big success or a big lesson. And it was a big lesson, but I'm so grateful for it because it was when I found that book, Mm -hmm. not the power to heal, but this book I talk about a lot in Frenchie, which is attacking anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. That is what got me through that period of my mental health. And to be honest, I would not have been in a place to lose my dog if I hadn't gotten through that book, because Mm -hmm. I was able to realize like, you're strong, you can get through anything. And so it was just like all of these little events leading up to that. And also leading up to Frenchie, like Frenchie is born because of that whole experience, you know? So, and you seeking out, um, sort of like, this is not working. I'm in a dark spot. I need resources. I need support. And so through that, that seeking out and you wouldn't have seeked it out had you not been in that position. So that's where you like, you know, adapted to, you know, meeting with people and talking about toxicity and like talking Mm -hmm. about all of these things that just made me so knowledgeable. And I'm so grateful, even though it's like, was a very dark time in my life that I look back on. I'm grateful for it because it got me to where I am today. So, so much of what we try to do here on looking up is yes, talk about optimism, but also do it in a real way and sort of really dispel and check out these ideals of perfectionism and toxic positivity and sort of also really bring light and awareness to help reduce the stigma on mental health. And I know you have said a couple of times that you do experience anxiety and you have gone through depression. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your depression. Yeah. Well, what I learned was anxiety usually coincides with depression. So you have anxiety, you most likely have depression. And a lot of it that I had heard, and I think with me specifically maybe, was having anxiety for a couple of years lowers your serotonin levels and therefore can cause depression based off of how you experience anxiety and you're not like letting up on the anxiety. Right. Basically, you know, I think that I didn't even know I was in depression at the time. I clearly had anxiety growing up. I wasn't acknowledging it because I thought it was normal. And I thought it was like, you know, oh, performance, you know, like I'm performing in front of like people, like this is a normal feeling to have, like your heart racing. (laughs) And then I also remember like having a panic attack before performance, but not knowing it was a panic attack. So I I didn't really have anyone say, you're having anxiety, like saying that to me. 
And so basically I did this book that I'm not going to say the title just because it just didn't really help me in my life. I kind of made, it, it basically is like a making you more present in your life. And it's okay. all about thriving versus striving, which were all really positive things that I loved. However, it makes you very present. And so to the point where that's when I acknowledged huge anxiety feelings. And when I felt it, it was like very much I felt it. Like you opened the floodgates. Yeah. It was like I opened Pandora's box and it was like, yes. now I feel everything. And right. Was like, and were you working with anyone at the time or you, this was all like self trying to all self? self, like reading this book, doing okay. this practice. And one of them was like, you know, you start doing this bath thing underwater with your heart. And like, I was on vacation and I was on my way home from vacation and I had like an actual panic attack on the flight. I wanted mm-hmm. to on the flight and my husband's like, you need to breathe. And I think you're having anxiety attack. And so I just meditated because it's meditation's a big part of the book. So I was always able to get myself out of those feelings by meditating. And then that's when I started to see a therapist because I was like, I'm clearly having a weird reaction to this book. And like, I'm really anxiety, you know, it's like my, it's just through the roof. And so basically when I read Attack Anxiety and Depression, it talks about how they coincide with each other and you normally are suffering from both. And I definitely was. And I was having really, really bad anxiety at the time. At this point, my anxiety was in pitch meetings with my production company. I could feel frozen. Mm. Literally, I felt very stuck in my body. Paralyzed. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted to get out, but I couldn't. And Mm. I'm professional and I wanted to get through the meeting, but I was like having these feelings of feeling frozen and stuck. And I was like, and you, you, my sister, she was working with me at the time. She, I would like look over at her and she knew what I was going through and no one thankfully knew what I was going through, but it was very hard. And those were like the more debilitating times of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just progressed to, I was doing a show, I was doing a pilot and it was a sitcom in front of an audience. And it was like around the time of my, you know, taking over Illuminate and everything. So was, my stress was super high. The The show itself was very stressful because the, the scenes were being rewritten on the day of performing. Mm-hmm. So you just have all of this happening. And so I remember my body was like physically shaking, physically shaking. And that's when my makeup artist was like, you need to read this book, Attacking Anxiety and Depression, because you're having a lot of anxiety. And I was like, no, this is such as like, I think there's something wrong with me. I just kept on thinking of something else. She's like, I'm telling you, I did this book when I was 14 and I haven't had a panic attack since. And I was like, okay, okay. But like, and it was weird. They'd say action. My body would stop shaking. And then they say cut. And it was like, almost like my body was in shock. Like it was that bad. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where I was like, something has to change. I can't live my life this way. It was just horrible. And so that's when I did that book. And it just literally like, I could talk to someone and I guess like, I talked to a therapist for a while and they were helpful, but this book was just like very, like had homework and made like so much practical time. tools. Yeah. And it's like a full, like 15 week program. So you have CDs you listen to and you actively are working through this, you know, and it was just so helpful. And it like really got me out of what I was feeling and got me out of depression and got me out of like, Fear of failure is like one of the subjects and 
got me back into the recording studio and I wrote my my whole album Symptoms based off my journey. So like this beautiful thing came out of it. And it was just, I don't know, for me, it was just like, that was so helpful, but it was just like, I really wanted to start talking about my journey in mental health because I did lose a friend to depression a couple years ago and I didn't even know he dealt with depression. And as I was recording this album, there was a couple uh, celebrities that had passed away from, from depression as well. And I just remember sitting at like a dinner table one time with friends and they were doing this like kind of questionnaire and like everybody was like, so who, you know, here has anxiety and everybody was like willing to like, you know, share that they've had anxiety and raise their hand. And then when it came to like depression, they're like, okay, so who suffers from depression? Like nobody wanted to lift their hands. And I was like, this is interesting. And like, it was interesting too, because like I did this album and I had a friend come to me and she was like, oh my God, are you okay? Because I mentioned that I, you know, had suffered from depression. I was like, yeah, I'm totally fine. But like, it's the word that is yes. the stigma attached to it. But yet like anxiety is so accepted, but right. depression isn't. And I'm like, to be honest, anxiety can be way worse sometimes. Like it, like the feelings I felt where I was paralyzed and frozen, like that is really bad. And so it's like, I don't know. I just feel like we need to take the power out of the word depression because yeah, we all have those periods of time. And I just wanted to speak about the things that I went through to make people feel less alone at home and that, yes. you know, you can get through it and, you know, with talking to someone or even reading books and helping yourself, you can actively get through those feelings. Yeah. And literally the leading cause for people going through depression and other mental health issues, but mainly depression that leads them to not seek help and treatment is the stigma. And so I think even just, I always say, even just talking about it and just talking about your experience, even if you don't know all the answers or you're still battling through it and you haven't, you know, you, you don't know what's right or wrong in, in your own treatment or how to get through it, just sharing, like being the person that raises your hand on that dinner table and is like, yeah, I do that. Literally a bunch of people doing that is how we dismantle the stigma. Yeah. Whenever I, I know someone or have have talked to someone, I'm like, it's so important to talk about your feelings. And I, I really think what's happening in the world to there right now, where everyone is talking about mental health is so important because it'll only hopefully help that one person be like, yes. Oh, like, it's not just me. And like, they share the same feelings I share and there's right. nothing wrong with you. It's like, we all go through, you know, everyone's fighting something inside. Right. Shifting to your current passion. I really want to talk about Frenchie and I know you've brought it up a couple of times, but just for people listening, what is Frenchie? What made you start the brand and why the name Frenchie? So Frenchie is a platform where I'm able to just share my experience and my journey through everything that I've gone through, you know, mentioning that I've obviously seen doctors and non, you know, like and holistic doctors and talk, we talk about plastic surgery and my experiences with that. And what are your experiences with that? I would say, I mean, I've, I've come out and talked about it. I wouldn't say I had the most positive experiences. <laughs> I think people don't talk about the negative parts, Yeah, you know, and that's what I was like wanting to talk about on Frenchie is just like, 
you know, let's start this conversation because I think what kind of scared me was that in the past when people have known that I've, you know, done like rhinoplasty, it was so not accepted in the world. And so I was very judged for what I did, mm. even though it was more, more of health matters. But now we're so accepting of it that I'm like, I don't know if that's the healthiest thing either. And so I'm like, I think there needs to be a balance. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to talk about how, you know, how like, obviously I made choices when I was insecure and when I was younger and with my body and I got implants and, and they affected me and my health for years. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. And so when I finally did, I completely was like, let's get this out. And my body, like, I mean, it was pretty wild how a week later, how I was like already feeling better. And wow. Yeah. And I, I just like, I wanted to share, you know, I felt like if I was going to be heading into the health and wellness space, I had to be honest and I had yes. to be vulnerable and talk about why I'm doing that. And I, I'm what I'm literally get text messages from friends because I've seen so many doctors because I am a little bit of a hypochondriac, but I'll get like text me like, what dermatologist I see, I have this problem. And like people will hook me up. And so I'm like, well, if I have friends doing that, like I really want to share, you know, this passion of health and wellness with my fans and with my audience and, and come from a very honest place about it. So that's where Frenchie was born. And the reason why it's called Frenchie is because my married name is French. You know, I am called Frenchie at times, but I don't want to be like, Frenchie like a dog. So I was like playing around with it. And I was like, Frenchie. And I was like, oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> so it's and the um, she in there. Yes. Yeah, is like, you know, very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was named Frenchie. And it's been really great. I've I've had such a great experience so far. The community that we're building is just, it's really cool to see people DM me and also the comments on the Instagram of Frenchie, like the conversations that we're starting. It's just cool to see people be vulnerable as well, you know? And yes, I love that. And I think that it's given me a bigger connection with my audience that I've ever had before. I think that's so powerful that you are seeing the power for lack of using that word twice, but the power and transparency and, and utilizing sort of, you know, the medium to help people feel less alone, to relate, to connect, and also to find other like-minded people and also to help yourself not feel so alone through some of the stuff that you've been through. I know when I started sharing transparently on my platforms, first of all, I'm a pretty like wear your heart on your sleeve kind of person. It's tough for me not to, but it's like the only way that I can. And I've had so much benefit from it personally. You know, I've gone through dark times too. And as an optimism doctor, I always talk about, I'm an optimism doctor, but I'm not the most optimistic person. And I'm first and foremost a human. I'm not someone's guru. You're your own guru. But like I have these tips and and tricks and tools and I know the science and I'm imparting them to you, but I'm also going through the same journey. With Frenchie, with all the sort of investigating and search that you've been on, and I'm sure is, I know I've looked at it and it's in all different worlds and industries. It's beauty and, you know, non-toxic and safe beauty. It's health, it's wellness. It's pretty much everything, physical, emotional, all of that. What are some things that you're like obsessed with right now that you found that are either rituals or tools or products that you're just like, this is right now, I'm really into this. I mean, I think for me, you know, going non-toxic is 
definitely something that I've, you know, clearly after meeting with a lot of people, it was just something that I was like, okay, like I had tested high in heavy metals in my body at one Mm -hmm. point. And so I was like, what do I use that has heavy metals and deodorant (laughs) that we use every day has aluminum in it. And so uh, I started to be like, this was a couple, this was like, I think probably at this point, like six or seven years ago. I was like, oh my God. So I was like, ooh, and we're like putting it on our armpits, like right next to our breast. And then so I was just like, well, you know, like definitely changing that. So how I look at non-toxic living is not like all at once because it's not a diet. You know, I I never do well on diets. <laughs> right. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And I think with any type of lifestyle change, just like I'm dairy free. I've been dairy free for about six years. It was a slow change. I didn't want to change really fast and then go back to it. So I do it in little bits. You know, I'm not someone who's just like gone from one end to the other. And so deodorant was first. And then the second thing was toothpaste because I was like, okay, you know, like researched about that as well. Then, you know, I, I recently just made my whole kitchen like non-toxic. So got rid of all plastic and it's glass containers and. And the pots and the pans, because that's yeah, something I that is huge. Pan, which I really love. And that's what I use too. Oh yeah, they're great. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically I, I've just kind of, you know, inched my way. I'm starting now in beauty. I'm like, Mm. it's hard. And I, and this is what Frenchie is, is that it's, I think it's all a balance and it's not like I'm going to be promoting non-toxic and it's just that it's like, I believe in balance. I believe in moderation and I believe in moderation with food. Like I couldn't do vegan, even though I wanted to, I became anemic. So my body just doesn't, it just can't. And so as much as I would love to adapt to a full vegan diet, even in veganism, there's soy and that can be harmful if you just have a lot of soy. So right. I just feel like everything in moderation and... And listening to your body, which yeah. I think is so important, which it sounds like you are very in tune to and promote. And so one person being vegan could really work and be great. And yeah. for someone else like you know yourself, you may need other more sources of iron and, and you might need meat. Yeah. And it's okay if it's like once a week at least, you know? So I think it's just, you know, for me, it's all about balance. So I'm starting in the beauty world, but I do have my favorites that are non-toxic and a little bit toxic, but I think that, you know, I'm on this journey now and I'm still learning. So that's what Frenchie is, is that I'm, I'm learning from, you know, even you, you know, writing something is so helpful and and having experts come in and talk about these things because it's like, it makes me excited because then I'm learning even more. So, yes. So yeah, I mean, beauty products, I really do love beauty tools. I use a lot of nurse Jamie just because I go to her and she has these amazing, like these face tools that are so calming. <laughs> and like, to be honest, they're supposed to like lift your face and uplift and stuff. But honestly, they're just really massaging too. And like, very relaxing at night. And I have suffered from TMJ in the past Mm -hmm. and they've helped with that because it's just like a light massage. And I think that just like doing that, it's like, I love skincare and that because I I have not done Botox, I have not done fillers. And, you know, I, I tend to do a lot of little tools and I've been using eye cream since I was in my twenties just for, you know, I do believe in preventative lotions. And what's your favorite eye cream? I use Joanna Vargas. I use a lot of her skincare and I love her eye cream. My grandma swears (laughs) 
bye. And it's crazy. She still uses it. And she has amazing skin. She's very young, but she loves Vaseline. Mm-hmm. It is so wild. I was like, what? And she's like, I Vaseline my face every night. And I'm like, that is so greasy. Like how do you even <laughs> sleep? And so I definitely have tried like doing it around my eyes, but it's just so greasy. It does not work for me. But she looks so young for her age and she's so beautiful. So I'm like, well, it works for you. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. I'm sure people ask you like, what's the like, what's the one magic pill or trick for like, why does your skin look so beautiful? For me as an optimism doctor, I'm always asked like, okay, what's the the one thing, like the magic pill to like make us happier? And I'm like, I'm sad to say there is no magic pill and everything takes work. But you know what? One thing actually comes really close and it's uninterrupted quality sleep. And Mm -hmm. it's so powerful and so underrated and so something that we need. And it is so directly related to mood and to joy and to happiness. And there's been tons of research on it. And so I feel like it's like water and sleep are like two. And I'm, I'm really good at the sleep and I'm really bad at the water. So (laughs) So to end things up here, what is looking up for you? I know Frenchie just launched and that's so exciting and everyone should check it out. And I'm super excited. I'm going to be contributing to Frenchie as well. I mean, right now I'm just really focused on, on Frenchie. It's a very interesting time in the business because of, you know, everything is starting to come, you know, come back. I was in the middle of a movie and had to pause it. And so it's an indie. We're still like, obviously with precautions with indies, they're yeah, you know, kind of iffy. So we're, you know, just seeing where everything goes. But I guess for me, I'm like, just really excited to be able to be creative in a space that I'm really passionate about at this time. And I also have like, found that I really love interior design. So I've been actually mm. helping someone with their kitchen renovation. And that's been just such a different experience on you guys you know. can't see it, but I can, but your the background of your home is beautiful. Oh, and we're thanks. in the middle of a move right now. So might need to hire you. <laughs> You're so funny. You've got like a, a similar taste to what, to what we like um, and what we're looking for. So the last thing that we do to end up looking up is I have all of my guests pick a card. Well, since we're virtual right now and on zoom, I pick one for you, but we pick a card out of my little baby, which is my things are looking up optimism deck of cards. And this deck of cards has 52 different cards in them. Each card has a holistic or science-based prompt or tool that actually increases optimism and resiliency. So I'm going to shuffle the deck and pick a random card for you. And I know that you love homework. And what you didn't know is this podcast comes with homework. This one's yours. Okay. Align with your values. Remind yourself of your values often. Take a moment with total free thought to list off three of your core values. What are three things that are most important to you right now? Now take these three values with you into your day. This is not something you have to do right now on this, but I hope that you'll do it today and just take a moment to intentionally figure out and write out three things that are most important to you right now. And that is one of the best ways to keep track of all decisions that you make, whether super small, like what are you eating today or who are you spending your time with or your energy on to really big decisions like projects and business stuff and relationships, if they're in line with your core values, you're not making a wrong decision. We're in like decision fatigue all the time right now in the type of world we live in. So that's so cool. I would definitely do that. Thank you so much for coming on Looking Up. 
I'm so excited to talk further and collaborate more with Frenchie and things are looking up. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for doing it. And uh, this was so much fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.